On today's episode, New York special election results, Biden claps back, and more political theater. This is Next with Lex. Let's get it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 23 of Next with Lex. I am your host, Lex Luthor, and I read the news so you don't have to. Today, we kick off with the special election results from New York's 3rd District. This is a special election because this seat became available when Republican Congressman George Santos got booted out from his own party because he was just a giant piece of garbage. You are nothing but garbage, yeah. Nothing but garbage, Gaina. Remember, this is the guy that lied about like who he was. Lied on his resume about where he went to school, where he graduated from. He lied about businesses that he owned and jobs that he held. And he lied his whole way to get to Congress, which is insane in New York, of all places, like in Manhattan. Uh, and then on top of that, they still didn't boot him out yet after all that came out. Then after that, they found out he was using campaign money to pay for things like OnlyFans and go expensive shopping sprees and stuff like that. So then his party finally gives him the boot. And now we have a special election for that seat. The results are in as of midnight of last night, 97% of the expected vote has been reported. And it looks like Tom Susie is going to be your new Democratic representative for the third district of New York, winning 54% to 46% from his Republican competitor. So what we have here is a flip. We had a red, we had a red district that is now blue. Remember back in the midterm elections, Republicans, it was a bloodbath for them. They were expecting what they quote unquote called the red wave. And there was going to be a lot of people were unhappy with Biden, unhappy with the economy, unhappy with inflation, unhappy the way just everything was going, all the money we're spending and all that stuff. So Republicans thought back then, back in November, they were going to have this big wave of wins and all, and they were going to have a, now a bigger majority in the house so they can get things passed and do things. Well, it turned out the exact opposite happened. Almost every Trump candidate lost. So everyone that he backed up lost. Seats were flipped. And now we see it happening still. This is a good kind of litmus test. More urban populated centers are generally more blue and more liberal, more democratic. So if you ever look at the election map and who votes where, it's all the cities are usually blue and then everything around the city is all red. So we now have Republicans with a smaller majority in the House. It was already very difficult for them to pass anything before they could lose three people. So three Republicans can flip. So you almost have to have everybody on board to pass something in the House when you have a very small majority like this. And Republicans have been doing all this infighting and it's been like a civil war in there. You know, the MAGA people that are just trying to sabotage things that are happening right now, like the border bill, for example. They, it was a bipartisan bill. They had a lot of Republicans behind it. A lot of Republicans sponsored it, helped write the thing. I got everything they want. They were about to pass it. And then Donald Trump came out and said, don't pass it. And then literally within a week, the whole thing torpedoes and we have no funding for our southern border. That's just what happened. It's all everything here is all about the election, all about politics. So this is kind of a litmus test to, to possibly what we'll see in November. Yes, there's a big age concern for who's going to be president. But I think when we get down to like the Senate and House of Representatives level, we may see maybe the opposite of a red wave or we can see a red wave. I don't fucking know. I don't have no clue. Nobody knows these things. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to win by like a million points and she got her ass kicked. We can speculate all we want, but we don't know jack shit. It's like making a Super Bowl prediction at the beginning of the year, which for me, it's Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns are always going to win the Super Bowl every year. I don't know jack shit apparently about football because I said the same thing after they went one in 16. I was like, this is the year they turn it around. Epic, epic transition. Then we just lost every game. But I digress. 
Republican House majority has been reduced to 219 to the Democrats, 213 House members. So they can only afford to lose two votes now. It was three. Now it's two. So that means if they are trying to pass any legislation through the House floor, well, you have to have everybody on board. Moving on to our second story, the Republican led House again. Going to lose two votes, and we saw it happen last week. Last week, the Republicans tried to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. They failed. Like six Republicans came over and said, no, we're not going to do this. Since then, they came in line, and now the Republicans held a second vote. They have officially voted to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas in a 214 to 213 vote. Think that's close enough? They won by one vote. Remember, in the House, to do these things, you just need a simple majority in the House. It could be one vote over 50%. Doesn't matter. You need a simple majority in the House to get anything through. So 214 to 213. Now, it's a little bit more difficult in the Senate. In the Senate, you need two-thirds votes, so they make it a little bit more difficult. This is our system of checks and balances. And you know what? I'm going to go over that later. I promise. Don't let me forget. Now, what does this mean? Department of Homeland Security already came out and said this whole thing's a sham. Let's have a listen to the official call. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. So the resolution's adopted. Now what's going to happen? What goes on from here? Well, very simple. Let me talk to you. This measure now goes on to the Senate. From the Senate, it's going to then be voted on. Most likely going to happen is that the Senate does not have the two-thirds vote to actually impeach. Remember, I just said that you need two-thirds vote, simple majority in the House, two-thirds vote in the Senate to actually impeach someone, get something through. So now they're going to go to a Senate trial. They're not going to find him guilty. It's going to be not guilty. And this has been the case of pretty much every impeachment that I can remember. Both impeachments of Donald Trump. Remember, let's do a quick history lesson. President Trump was impeached twice, remember, in the House of Representatives. They voted him to be impeached two times on two separate occasions. The only president that's ever happened to. So two times. Then each time it moved on to the Senate and the Senate could not get two thirds vote to impeach him. So the result of the trial was not guilty. So he got to stay in office. Remember, you need both chambers of our legislative branch to get the official boot. So simple majority in the House, two thirds vote in the Senate. The House for every impeachment that I remember, right? The two Trumps I just mentioned. And then he had the Bill Clinton trial when he was getting blowies in the Oval Office. That whole thing was passed in the House as well, and then went on to the Senate and they found him not guilty. They couldn't get two thirds vote. Not enough Democrats are going to switch over to vote Bill Clinton out. Not enough Republicans switched over to vote Donald Trump out. So to get the official, but you need those two. So this is the same thing that's happening with Mayorkas. It's going to go to the Senate. They're not going to have the two thirds vote. And then we're all going to move on. It's just a political smokescreen for them not doing shit in Congress. So we'll keep updated on that as to see what happens when the trial happens. It's not going to be anyone's surprise when he gets to keep his job. Ooh, now for the lead story of the day. This one's good. Biden slams Trump criticism of NATO as, quote, shameful. President Biden came out with some angry words, everybody. Very angry words in response to Donald Trump's comments over the weekend about NATO and pretty much saying Putin can go invade all our friends, which is, come on, horseshit. That's stupid. You even suggest that. Now, countries need to pay their 2%, but again, there's a better way to go about it than, you know, threatening. Biden came back hard. He clapped back, as the kids say. So just to give you a quick refresher on what Trump said, this is what he said. NATO was busted until I came along. I said, everybody's going to pay. They said, well... If we don't pay, are you still going to protect us? I said, absolutely not. They couldn't believe the answer. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. 
So that was Trump and what he said. We mentioned that on a few episodes ago, straight from the horse's mouth. What he's saying is accurate. We need our allies to pay their fair share of their GDP, which is a 2% threshold that NATO requires in their articles of founding. That's it. I mean, we have, there's five articles that the NATO charter is based on. One is, hey, you pay up to 2% of your GDP, which only currently 11 countries out of 31 are doing so. Now there is, according to NATO, they will announce today, they're expected to announce today in rebuke of this, that, and this is according to the Financial Times, that 18 of its 31 members this year will hit the target spending of 2% of GDP. That's a big, that's a big increase going from 11 to 18, but it's still not 31. We need to get to 100% participation in that 2%. So that's what Trump said. So Biden comes out and responds with a scathing response. I'm going to play this. I may stop it as we go into little clips because it is one minute long, but we got to play this whole thing, baby. Here he is, Grandpa Joe. Just a few days ago, Trump gave an invitation to Putin to invade some of our allies, NATO allies. He said if an ally didn't spend enough money on defense, he would encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want, end of quote. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. No other president in our history has ever bowed down to a Russian dictator. Well, let me say this as clearly as I can. I never will. For God's sake, it's dumb. It's shameful. It's dangerous. It's un-American. That is scathing. And it is 100% true. Like the way he said it, if he means it that way, like, look, Trump likes to inflate a lot of things. I didn't mean it. You know. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. But it's true. It's very un-American to even suggest that you would let Russia go punch our friends. These are our friends, people. We're talking about our friends. You can get in arguments with your friends, but they're still your friends. Are you going to go watch your friend get their ass beat? No, you're going to help your friends. So yeah, I agree with Biden here, 100%. I also agree with Trump. I agree with Trump that 2% of people need to pay. But God, man, Trump's got a lot. A lot of good policies, but if the guy could just learn to keep his mouth shut, he might actually win the election just based on policies and have everyone thinking Joe's too old. But the guy just can't keep his dumbass mouth shut. When America gives us word, it means something. When we make a commitment, we keep it. And NATO is a sacred commitment. Donald Trump looks at this as if it's a burden. When he looks at NATO, he doesn't see the alliance that protects America and the world. He sees a protection racket. He does. And that's exactly it. The verbiage that Donald Trump's been using in this instance does make it sound like he's just like a mob boss. You got you got to pay your bill. Like <laughs> it's a protection racket. Like you see in The Godfather. Yo, Tommy, you pay your bills today, huh? What's in the cash register? You're a little short this week, Tommy. That's what it sounds like. So you can't you can't sound like that. Scathing response. You can see Biden was pissed. And I think when he said dumb, shameful, he was rattling that stuff off a little fast for Joe Biden. So I think he was just really pissed <laughs> coming off. It was dumb, shameful, un-American. And look. You may not be happy with the status quo. I don't think anybody's happy with the status quo in one way or another, but we all have different values, right? Like some things are some important to some people and some things are important to other people. So I think this message is really hammering out to those people that are just like maybe the older Americans, millennials such as myself that are like, the status quo is good in some aspects, as in I enjoy our position as number one in the world. I like the fact that NATO, for lack of better ways to say this better in my brain, like we're the shot caller. We call the shots there, baby. And I enjoy that. I like knowing that. I like knowing we have the most powerful military in the world. We pay the most money into NATO so we can call the shots. Imagine having a, a 31 nation army that you can call the shots of. I, I'm calling a spade a spade because that's what it is. And it's not just for now, right? Like, yes, right now we are the most powerful nation in there, but geopolitics change all the fucking time. Every empire in the world has fallen at one point. Not saying that this empire is falling, but I like being the shot caller of NATO.
And hearing comments like that, it's like, I like NATO. I want other countries to do their fair share. We're going from 11 to 18. If we can get this report every year, and then we go from 18 to 22, from 22 to 26, and eventually everyone's on board and we're there, then excellent. But I think there are two different approaches. There's the American way and there's a mob boss way. Uh, I've been talking too much. Cool story, Hansel. So that is your update with this. I just realized something. I promised everyone that I was going to go over the legislative process, and I did not. Here is the legislative process in a nutshell. First, a representative sponsors a bill. So they say, okay, I want this to happen. I want everybody to get $100 in the United States. Everyone's going to get $100. Writes it in the bill. Uh, this is assigned to a committee for a study. And the committee says, all right, is it physically possible? Do we have the reserves? How do we go about it? Where do we take it from? How do we budget it? Blah, blah, blah. They figure all that set up. They write it down in the study. Then they either decide, oh, it's not feasible. Like, look, we literally can't do it. It's impossible. And so they just crumple it up and throw it away. Or they say, hey, this is possible. Then they start going out. And then you have people that are co-sponsors of the bill, right? Then you have, you might have like a dozen or 50 different, you can have as many people co-sponsoring a bill as you want that just says, hey, we're supported behind it. Then if released by the committee, the bill is put on a calendar to be voted on and debated or amended. So you can have people on the other side of the aisle. Let's say I'm a Democrat and I say everyone gets $100 because something sounds like something the Democrats would do. My socialist poke. And then you have the Republican side says, no, 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 no. I don't want to give everyone $100, but I like where your head's at. Because sometimes this happens, right? Like there's things that are good for America, like border security. And so they go, no, I don't want to give $100, but we're amendable to 75. So they say, okay. And so they rewrite the bill and they say, okay, $75. Then they go to vote. And then if it gets a simple majority over 50%, which right now is 218. So 218 of 435 people need to vote. Yay. The bill then moves on to the second chamber of our legislative branch, which is the Senate. And the Senate has a hundred members there. You need a two thirds vote or something to pass. So again, before they vote on it, however, the Senate is going to meet. They're going to debate it on their floor. So two things can happen from here. One, the Senate says, we like it. Let's vote on it. And then it goes to the two thirds vote. If it passes, it passes. Everyone gets $75 after they implement it. If it doesn't, then it's dead. D-E-D. Or the Senate could say, no, $70 doesn't work for us, but we're okay to give Americans 80. But let's say they go higher. And then we want to give, not 75, but $80. So then they rewrite the bill. They send it back to the House. The House then debates it again. They vote on it again. So now let's say it's $80 and they're like, no, no, we don't want 80. We want 78. Now they split the difference, right? So then they vote on it again. If it passes with the simple majority, it goes over to the Senate. If Then the Senate does their two thirds vote. Now let's say it passes. The bill then returns to the House and the Senate for a final stamp of approval. And then from there, if it's passed, the president has 10 days to veto the final bill or sign it into law. So that's your veto power, your final executive branch check and balance on the legislative branch. So if the president likes it, gives it the signature. If not, he has 10 days to veto it. Now he can veto something and tell Congress, I'm not going to sign it unless it has this in it. And then it goes back to the whole process. So that's your legislative branch in a nutshell. Okay. Today in history, happy Valentine's day, everyone. Everyone's wondering what this guy on my screen is. And I realized I just did the whole legislative branch bit with this Saint Valentine on my screen. So that makes no sense. Who's this guy? So let's go over who is St. Valentine. Why do we celebrate Valentine's Day? And here it is on February 14th, around the year of 278 AD, because we have no fucking clue. That's what that means. It's around 278 AD. A holy priest in Rome in the days of Emperor Claudius II was executed. That's right. Executed. So under the rule of Claudius the Cruel, what a name. You know you're a good dude if that's your historic name. Claudius the Cruel. Rome was involved in many unpopular bloody campaigns. I assume that's from his name. The emperor had to maintain a strong army, but was having a difficult time getting soldiers to join his military leagues. So Claudius believed that Roman men were unwilling to join the army because of their strong attachment to their wives and families. Well, no shit. <laughs> to get rid of the problem, Claudius banned all marriages and engagements in Rome. 
Valentine at the time, not a saint yet, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. Ooh. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Valentine was then arrested and dragged before the prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and to have his head cut off. All right, that's, we're back to some juicy history here. So the sentence was carried out on February 14th, on or about the year 270. So the beginning of this article says on or around 278 AD, and then it ends with around 270 AD. Again, example, of, this is from the History Channel website, an example of nobody actually knowing at all. Legend also has it that while in jail, Valentine left a farewell note for the jailer's daughter who had become his friend and signed it from your Valentine. Ah, there's the Valentines. That's legend, however. For his great service, Valentine was named a saint after his death. That's how you become saints. You can only get it after your DED. Questions? Hit me up on all the socials at Lex Luthor. You can also email me at nextwithlexshow at gmail.com. That's nextwithlexshow if you wish to opine. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from so you can get your news from your boy Lex Luthor five days a week. Have a great day, everyone. Catch everyone to you tomorrow. Deuces.